Lina Lincona scored a unanimous decision over Judy Hackbold in a four-rounder. The official 36 three times. Now, Katie Taylor ended up beating, uh, you know, somebody that really didn't have no hope in winning, but she is going to be fighting somewhat of a name in her next uh, fight in October, David. Uh, let me look it up, but I, I'm sure you know off the top of your head. Oh, yeah, Cindy Serrano on October the 13th. It, 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 uh, it kind of escaped my mind. So she's going to be fighting Cindy Serrano. And those of you who don't know, Cindy Serrano is the older sister of Amanda Serrano, the five-time, five-divisional world champion, um, who we're going to have some news about her as well, and who also made an, a, an incursion into MMA. So obviously, Cindy Serrano is a former WBO featherweight champion. I believe she's not the champion anymore. I believe that because she has not defended the title. She was actually stripped by the WBA, which is some by the WBO, which is something rare. Although she is still listed as a WBO champion, but I think I saw that somebody else is going to be fighting for that vacant title. But uh, but now she's discouraging up to 135 pounds, something that the Serrano sisters are not afraid to do, especially Amanda, the younger one of the two which she spotted anywhere from 118 to all the way to 135. And she's going to be jumping into another division in her next fight. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But as far as that fight, um, David, Cindy Serrano, good fighter, is not as active as her sister was in boxing. Um, do you think that she could pose a, a problem for Katie Taylor, 135 pounds, even though she's going up two divisions? Well, well, Katie just has that speed factor. Uh, Cindy Serrano is a very, very skillful fighter, very, very tough. Um, I think it's going to go all the way because Cindy spars against her sister every day. Her sister's probably the, the second best fighter pound for pound in the world. So you get that kind of sparring, and I, I think she's going to give Katie Taylor a good, a good fight, a very good fight. So you think that that it's more that the size difference is not going to be that big of a factor? Uh, no, it won't be that big of a factor for Cindy. The only thing is that she doesn't have the power that her, her younger sister does pack. And if she had that power, then I would give her even money chances uh, against Katie. But because she can't really hurt her, it's going to be one of those things where Katie is, her speed is just going to be the, the major difference. On Saturday, the same Saturday, July 28th, that uh, Katie Taylor defended her two world titles uh, in Dave, at the Davis Arena in Louisville, Kentucky, Real Deal Sports and Entertainment uh, presented Alicia Baumgartner actually getting upset and losing a split decision to Christina Leonardato in an eight-rounder at 130 pounds. The score 75 two times for Leonardato and 77-75 for Baumgartner. So it was a very close fight. Baumgartner... Uh, somewhat of an amateur experience. Uh, the only female fighter that real uh, Evander Holyfield has signed to his promotional company. Uh, well, she, she had like six fights, seven fights. She ended up losing her first fight. She's actually been two minute round, but we did have an interview with her in our special edition of Face to Face. So you want to listen to her story. You can do so by going into the archives of the show. So she ends up losing her first fight as a professional. But I follow her on social media. And at least I call it, uh, like, in her head, it looks like she bounced back because, you know, she she scratched the 
to to you know getting back to the drawing board as they say and she's back in action uh, soon she's already training so let's see if she can bounce back from her first professional loss uh and yeah. split decision. I actually spoke to I actually spoke to the winner Christina who fights out of Greece who's actually Dominican and um she uh gave, it was a very good fight um Christina's a pressure fighter uh kind of surprised uh, Alicia with her style and um uh, it seemed to be the body shots were the thing that affected Alicia. I'm not sure. Alicia seemed to lose a little uh, energy in um, in the middle middle rounds, and then she tried to pour it on in the end, but it was a little too late. Well, there you go. On Sunday, July 29th, from Okinawa, Japan, Tenkei Tsunami scored a fourth round. Uh, TKO against Filipino Gretchen Abaniel in a scheduled 10 rounder for the WBO 108 pound title. The official time was 133 there. Whereas another upset on Saturday, August 4th, when former champion Carolina Raquel Duera of Argentina was also defeated by a split decision by fellow Argentinian Maria Cecilia Roman for the IBF 122 pound title. The scores were 97 93 210 for Roman and 96 94 for Duera. So two upsets. Uh, in those fights. Um, also, the same fight card, Leonela Paola Yudica scored a majority decision over Jarines Altuve in a 10-rounder to defend her IBF 112-pound title. Scores there were 98, 92, 97, 93, and an even 95, 95. On August 4th as well, David, another upset. Former Olympian Natasha Jones were stopped in four rounds by Vivian Abinoff in a 10-rounder for the WBA International 130-pound title. The official time there was 143. So with these upsets, David, what we're seeing, the trend is, and you've and you've always mentioned it here on the show in 50 episodes, this is our 50th episode, David, is that female fighters, it doesn't matter when or where in the careers they're at, they just have to fight the best. And, and these women... At least Natasha Jones, Vivian, fighter. Uh, Alicia Baumgartner was an experienced fighter as well. Her opponent, Carolina Raquel Duero, obviously her opponent was fighting for a world title. They're fighting experienced fighters that they should beat, but that if that fighter could turn it up a notch and possibly give the best performance of their of their careers, they're good enough to be able to beat the favorite. Yeah, yeah, it's been happening in uh. That was one of those major days. Uh, Natasha Jones has been asking for Katie Taylor, and uh, she she fights a veteran and Vivian Obanoff, who had fought Katie Taylor, and she gets upset, stopped, <laughs> not just beaten, but stopped. And, and like you mentioned here on the show before, is that it's kind of sometimes sometimes rare and sometimes difficult to score a knockout in female boxing because it's a two minute round. So for her right. to be actually TKO'd in the in four rounds, it means that she was somewhat dominated in the fight. In the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Two minutes is hard to knock somebody else, especially when you're fighting at a fast pace and it's. But when you do it, you know that that person has has some skill and some power. From the Nassau Coliseum, the same night on August fourth in Uniondale, New York, the Bell Entertainment gave us Alicia Napoleon, where she defended her. Her uh, WBA against Anna Rankin, the scores were 99-91 and 98-92 two times. And we we had this discussion um, 
when she won the title is that even though the title for the WBA 168 title, super middleweight, she's actually fighting really close to middleweight as far as her opponent and her when she weighs in. And they said, Napoleon, I'll tell you exactly what she ended up weighing in for this fight. Um, Let me see. Let me see if I could get you the official weight. Give me one second here. She weighed in at 156 and a half pounds, while her opponent weighed in at 158. So they were actually under the middleweight, the middleweight limit, and they're fighting for the super middleweight title. David, what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, it's that's a strange thing. It it's it only happens in women's boxing. I've seen it happen many times, but usually in the lighter weights. But what you have is there's a dearth of female fighters at that weight class at 168. Uh, and when Clarissa was there, she just cleaned it out. And now that she dropped down the middleweights, all the middleweights are going up to 168. So hopefully what we see is an honest uh, uh, division in the future because um, – if you're not 168, then you should be fighting at 160, as in this case. But she did beat the girl. The girl was from Scotland, and the same happened with her too. She was also also underway. So basically, that has to be cleared up. Or there has to be rules that 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 uh, that uh, maintain the weight classes correctly. Well. My, my my issue here, and I don't know this for a fact because I, I haven't seen any reports of this or not, and maybe, and, and I don't know if we ever, if we, if we got to speak. Have we had Lip DeBella on here or no? I don't think we No, we haven't. We haven't had Lip DeBella. We should try to have him here, but we all know that, you know, he likes to uh, to uh, hear the sound of his own voice sometimes, so it might be kind of tough to get him on here. Uh, and, and or keep them off here once we get them on here. But that's besides the point. But um, I don't know if these guys, if they would, if they would um, reveal to us because I don't have an issue if they're fighting for a 168 pound title and Alicia Napoleon wants to come in on whatever way she wants to come in. It doesn't bother me. Sure. But the, I wouldn't want them to actually hold the opponent to a certain weight that's that's under. 68 pound, 68 pound limit. You know, yeah, I don't want them to say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want them to do a catch weight in the contract that they're fighting for a 168 pound title. And in this case, they told Rankin came in more than 160 pounds, even though we're fighting for a 168 pound title. I don't agree with that. You know, that's the, that's where I would take issue. If Napoleon wants to come in uh, uh, lighter and give up that advantage, that's her prerogative. But I don't think that as a champion, they should be able to hold the opponent to a certain weight. Now, when they... Yeah, I think it's... Go ahead. I think it might just be an accident. I I think it's just a coincidence that both came under that low. Well, as a, I'm looking at a, a Napoleon's uh, record, uh, record right now. She's never weighed above 160 pounds. She's actually never weighed a in the super middleweight limit. Uh, wow. Now, when she fought Tori Nelson uh, back in 2016, she came in under the middleweight, middleweight limit, and Tori Nelson came in at 162, which technically is at super middleweight 
division. Yeah. But when she won the vacant title in her in the fight back in March against Femke Hermans, both of them came middleweight. And now in her in her first defense, both of them come under middleweight. So I don't know. There's a, there might be a trend there, and that's something that we might have to investigate and figure out what's going on there. Yeah. Actually, actually, I know this for a fact, David, that in California contracts. The official bout contract open. What is it called when you when it's public public domain? So I'm not sure if the New York one is. I'm sure that we can. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna see what if I could if by our next show I could if it's public domain and ask for a copy of the official fight contract and see if there's a catch weight on there because it would have to be stated on that official contract commission of Cal- of New York. Yeah, well, well, the one good thing is that even though they're very underweight, under the 168-pound limit, uh, there's no uh, no rule that says that they have to weigh in on with just your underwear. They could just they could weigh in with the clothes and come in easily over 160. So in that regard, uh-huh. it's not a big thing. It's not a very big thing. I seen, I remember seeing Ricardo Mayorga go to a weigh-in with a full pizza pie, a l- extra large pizza pie in his hand. In and California? No, this was in Las Vegas when okay. he was going to fight Vernon Forrest a second time okay. for the World Title. Okay, because in, Ca- well, in California, in Cali, you have many more weigh-ins than I have, but in California, they have to weigh in in, as, in their underwear, and if they're overweight, obviously they can take it off, but they can't wear socks. They can't wear uh, the men. And the women... Uh, I mean, I will, I've, I've seen women in, in, in tight, you know, shorts and in, in bikini bottoms and stuff, but I've never seen them wear sweats. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them wear socks, uh, T-shirts. They make them remove T-shirts, sweats, socks, everything, you know. So at least in California, they have to weigh in uh, with their boxers or, or briefs uh, and no socks or anything yeah. like that. I don't know about the other states. And, and in Vegas, as you stated you know, Mayorga walked in with the pizza pie, and I don't know about New York. So so we'll see. We'll try to investigate and, and touch on that on our next show. Now, on Wednesday, yes, August 8th, on Wednesday, August 8th, uh, at the Avalon in Hollywood, California, 360 promotions had Elvina White scoring a unanimous decision over Jasmine Clarkson, the very experienced Jasmine Clarkson, in a forerunner and 138 pounds. Scores there were 39, 37, three times. I don't believe you were. you had a chance to go. I think you had something going on that day. Uh, did you get oh, a I chance to? Oh, you were there. Oh, okay, I thought that I thought that you had not made it. Um, what did you think of no, Elvina no. White's performance? Well, actually, I thought uh, Jasmine Clarkson won. To okay. tell you the truth, I thought that she was uh, the busier fighter. Uh, she landed more blows. Uh, She's able to make uh, Elvina White miss a lot of shots, a lot of shots, and. Um, I thought that Elvina did land power shots, and she's the bigger girl. Uh, and I think the judges basically favored the power shots over the, over the busier performance. And, uh, I mean, I thought Jasmine won the fight. The judges thought Elvina won the fight. So I'll go with that. I mean, that was they all judged the same way, the exact same way. So who am I to say that they're wrong and I'm right? <laughs> now, the last time that we saw Elvina before that fight, we saw her at the same venue on a Wednesday night as well, and she ended up fighting a Mexican fighter by Annette Pabello, who, if you saw that fight, and I know you did, David, 
for our listeners, uh, Anel Pabello was, was uh, very visibly overweight. Uh, she was not a natural 135 pounder or even a 130 pounder. She was naturally maybe a bantam weight, if not a super flyweight. Um, but she gave Elvina White a pretty good fight. Elvina White, it seems like she doesn't have that she would look for the knockout. Or like we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, it's hard to knock out. But you can see when they hurt their opponent. And Elvina White didn't hurt Pabello, even though she was uh, a much bigger natural fighter at the weight class. So do you think that her style can be one that, um, you know, she's, she's, she's not a but she's not a, a brawler either and with no power do you think that she has enough to be able to beat the upper echelon of that weight class uh you know it's hard to say right now i think she's got a couple of years to go um she i mean when i picture her fighting at 130 well what is it 140 um, mm-hmm. no i think she'd have a, a lot of trouble with the with the top girls uh she's about a couple of years away the good thing is that she's with Buddy McGirt, and Buddy was giving her really good instructions. She followed him and won the fight. I, I think if Buddy wasn't there, she absolutely loses the fight. Well, she's 3-0, and she's fairly 24 years old, so she has time to develop um, originally from Austria and now living in Los Angeles. Does Buddy McGirt live in Los Angeles from the, from, uh, the southeast of the United States? No, no, he's been here for about four or five years. Okay, well, that's good to know. Now, on Friday, August the 10th, in Argentina, the legendary Marcela Iliana Acuña, coming off a loss in her first fight to Daliana Bermudez, gets back, uh, gets back in the winning ways and actually ca- captures a world title when she scores unanimous decision over Laura Soledad Grifa in the 10-rounder for the vacant IBF 122-pound title. The scores there were 98-92 and 97-93 two times. Marcela Acuña, who is, I believe, over 40 years old, and she's still she's still fighting. Yeah. So she's back. She's a she's a world champion once again, even though she lost uh, uh, in her in her previous fight to this one. Now I believe that Romina Bermude, Daniela Bermudez left the title vacant because that's the title that Bermudez beat Acuña for. And I believe that she just vacated it. And, and actually, no, I'm sorry. They didn't. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Because it says it's that it's a WBO it's, title, I think. No, Bermudez beat her for the IBF World Female Super Bantamweight title. And now they were fighting for the vacant IBF Female Super Bantamweight title. So, yeah, Bermudez oh, okay. beat uh, Acuna. And Acuna won it back, so there you go. Finders keepers, losers weepers. So there you go for Acuna back being the champion that she was before that loss. So you know, no harm, no foul. She's back to being a world champion. Now. Yeah, I think Bermudez is fighting for another title. Uh, actually, tomorrow. Uh, let me check because I didn't see that in the schedule. Uh, no, she's not. She's not. She's not. Uh, she's not scheduled for another world title right now or another fight actually. But we'll go over the we'll go over the schedule in the upcoming calendar section, which is closer to the end of the show. On Saturday, August 11th, from the Arena Mexico in Mexico City, San Francisco gave us on Mexican TV 
Mariana Juarez scoring a unanimous decision in a rematch against Terumi Nuki in a 10-rounder, defending her WBC 118-pounder. Scores were 98-91 two times and 97-92. And Jackie Nava, after 18-month absence from the ring, scored a seventh-round TKO over also opponent, Sanchez, in a scheduled 10-rounder. The time there was two minutes. So now this these two fights on the same fight card set the table for a tentative fight between the two, Mariana Juarez and Jackie Nava, for October 27th at a venue to be announced. And earlier today on Twitter, I mentioned that they will be fighting for a special WBC sanctioned title. So there is, they haven't released the detail if Nava will be for Mariana Juarez's 118-pound title, or they will be fighting at a catch weight. Juarez up from flyweight to win titles at flyweight, super flyweight, and weight. And Nava, although her first world title was at weight, she has made the majority of her career at 122 pounds. And at 35, 36 years old, I know 37 years old, both of them are the same age, actually. 38. Um, 38 years 38. old. You know, I was trying to help both of them out, David, but you you, you spilled the beans. So. <laughs> um, I don't know if – I don't. she's a hard worker. Jackie Nava, I mentioned this before on this show, is that I've been in gyms. I mean, David has been in a ton of gyms, seen fighters work out. I've been in a ton of gyms, seen fighters work out. And I've seen them all. I've seen them all work out, David. And and I can't say I've seen a, a, a fighter train harder in gym than Jackie Nava. So if I would have to bet money and say that Jackie Nava by August, by October 27th would hit 118 pounds, I would bet the house on her. But I don't know if that's going to be the fact. I don't know if they're going to be trying to make a fight at 120. What do you think? Well, that's a good question. It, 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 I spoke to Mariana, and Mariana told me that she wants to fight for the 122 title because she wants to get a fourth division. But but would it be against? But it couldn't be against um, Jackie Nava for the WBC title. I mean, Jackie Nava for a long time was fighting for the WBC title, and then there was a little bit of a run in there, and she ended up fighting. I think it was the WBA title. Um, uh, Juarez has fought her whole career practically for the WBC title. I mean, they could fight for another sanctioning body. Right now, the super bantamweight title at 122 pounds for the WBC is Fatuma Sarika. The interim champion is Dina Torsland. So the silver champion is Davina Perez, and the international champion is Jasmine Rivas. So there really isn't, you know, a, a title, not, uh, not a world title, and not a silver title, not an international title. Um Amanda Serrano is ranked number one by the WBC at the weight class. Jackie Namba is number four. Obviously, Mariana being the champion at 118 is not ranked at 122. So, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be able to 122 for a title. Um, the WBA has Jasmine Rivas at 122 as the world champion. Uh, the, the IBF has Marcela Eliana Cunha, which we just mentioned. She just won the title. So, the actual WBO world title is vacant. So, but I think uh, somebody's fighting for that title. Um, no, to fight for that title right now. So do you think they make the jump and fight for the WBO title? I would see Nava doing it. I don't think Juarez would. I think Juarez is pretty loyal to the WBC. 
I I agree. I don't think she fight for another sanctioning uh, belt. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that she wants a WBC. But Mauricio Suleiman comes up. The only thing that I can see here is is um, is Nava going down to 118 and and trying to win that title. Something that she mentioned that she wants to do. That's one of her goals before she retires is win that 118 pound title again because the one that she won was the IBF. Now she wants the WBC. Uh, this is a bigger money fight for Juarez than Fatima Fatima. Fatima uh, Sarika, so she could, if she were to beat Nava, she goes up to 122, fights her. I know that you have a special place in your heart for Mariana Juarez, David, but do you still see her as beating Jackie Nava on October 27th? Uh, yeah, I still do. I still do. She always finds. You think a way. she outboxes? You think? Cause she's not gonna knock out Jackie Nava. Jackie Nava is bigger than her. I think she's stronger no, than no, her. No, no, I think it's a decision. You think I, that Mariana Juarez outboxes Jackie Nava? Yeah, yeah, I do. She always finds a way. I don't know. I know I've been against Mariana Juarez. I know I have done that, but I don't know because to me, Jackie Nava, Mariana, I don't know. I don't see. I don't see what. I don't see what a Mariana Juarez can do. To beat Jackie Nava. Is Mariana Juarez faster than Jackie Nava? She might be slightly faster, but not a big difference in hand speed. Jackie Nava is is bigger. And is Mariana Juarez a better boxer? I don't know. And if she is, she's not really better that Nava wouldn't be able to figure her out because Nava is not a brawler. She knows how to box as well. So I think the size advantage for might help her. The only thing that I think might help Mariana Juarez is the fact that she's been a lot more active than Jackie Nava, but I think in this last fight, Jackie Nava proved that ring rust doesn't exist for her because she works so hard in the gym that it doesn't exist. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to bet the farm on Jackie Nava on this one, and I think that she ends up winning on October 27th. Yeah, well, it's one of those fights, you know. I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to place a bet here, my beard against your goatee, and, and, and see who, uh-huh. who, who comes out fresh, fresh shaven on October 28th. <laughs> <laughs> on, Saturday, August 18th, on Saturday, August 18th, from the Club Britannia in Chihuahua, Mexico, Promotion in Sanford gave us an Azteca, Anabel Ortiz, 105-pound WBA champion, Scoring unanimous decision, defending her title over Jennifer Leon, a formerly undefeated Venezuelan, with scores of 99-93, 99-91, and 98-92. This turned out to be Ortiz's tenth defense of that title, and she might be the longest reigning 105-pound title champion uh, since the retirement of uh, the Japanese Momo. I forgot her last name. Who oh, I actually know, Momo. Uh, I forgot her last name. I gotta, uh, she was a atom weight, uh, uh, light minimum weight, uh, atom weight, atom weight champion for a long time. She went up to 105 to beat the other Japanese. Um, but but looking at looking at it right now, uh, uh, Anabel Ortiz is the longest reigning uh, 105 pound champion. She's been a champion since July 23rd, 2013. Whereas the WBC champion Tina Rupert 
just won it in June 16, 2018 against Yogasta Valle. The IBF was Pastrana on June 22nd of this year, and the WBO Kayoko Ebata captured it in 2017. So she's been a champion for five years, and um, so she's the longest reigning 105 active 105 cha- 105 pound champion. So uh, there you have it. So she 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 defended it. There's rumors, and she has been mentioning that she wants to go up now to 108 pounds and look for another world title there. So we'll see if she does that. She makes that jump in um, in 2018, David. What do you think are her chances at 108 with her style? Um, it's hard because there's so many talented 108 fighters. I mean, that's loaded. That division is very, very loaded. That one in the the 112, very loaded. So I think it's not going to be as easy for her. Yeah, I agree. It's very, it's very tough. And then she's very, she's somewhat small. And now I'm looking at all the world champions across all the weight classes. The longest reigning overall. I mean, you have Delphine Persoon, who captured her WBC 135 pound in 2014. You have Cecilia Breakhouse, who captured the WBC title in 2009 and the WBA title. Oh no, sorry, the WBO title in 2010 and the IBF title in 2014. And then you have Christina her WBO title in 2010. So other than those fighters, uh, uh, Anabel Ortiz has been one of the longest reigning champions out there. So we'll see if she ends up making the jump to 108 pounds. And lastly, on Monday, August the 20th, from the Kurakin Hall in Japan, there was an all-female fight card in uh, with uh, the main event being Miyo Yoshida scoring a technical decision over Filipino Gretel de Paz in an eight-round Asian uh, title at 118 pounds. The scores there were 49-46 two times and 48-47. And if you want a more detailed report of that fight card, the all-female fight card in Tokyo, Japan, you can go to the prizefighters.com and read all about it by our Japanese. What's her name, David? Yoriko uh, Miyata. Yoriko Mirata, who reported on that fight card uh, on the prizefighters.com. And there you go. So that is the fight results for the last month or so. So we're going to move on a little bit to a little bit of the notes. And we're going to start off with a very interesting revelation that Mia St. John made to Lance Pugmire of the Los Angeles Times, where she, well, she actually first made it on Twitter. She went a little bit on a Twitter rant. And then Mr. Pugmire uh, actually caught her on the phone and interviewed her and got a little bit more out of her regarding the the subject. But the subject is Mia St. John, a former WBC champion, admitted that for at least 20 of her professional fights, she used performance-enhancing drugs, better known as PEDs. David, what are your what are your thoughts about this revelation by Mia St. John? Well. Uh, first, Mia uh, has been a longtime friend of mine. I've known her for oh, 20, 22 years, and um, so I, I I read what she said, and uh, but it's not a surprise that somebody uh, or 
maybe I don't know how many other fighters have used it. There's been a lot of girls that have tested positive in the past. Um, even girls like Cyborg have uh, failed uh, two tests. Um, there's been uh, girls in Vegas that didn't pass tests for steroids. And um, so I know that it's used. And one of the things, uh, I did. I wrote a story last week on this, and I contacted uh, Mauricio Suleiman and others, uh, Dr. Goodman in Las Vegas, and I asked them questions about PED testing. And basically, there has never been any testing for women. And it's a sad case because, uh, especially in light of the fact that Canelo failed the test, he claimed it was meat, and he's not the first Mexican fighter to say that the meat is tainted. And there's been many Mexican fighters that that have failed tests with the same uh, argument that tainted meat. So in that respect, I'll say, yeah, okay, let's say it's tainted meat. But the women are also eating that tainted meat too. So they definitely got to be tested. And if, especially in Mexico, if they're all eating that meat, then, then there's a lot of female fighters that are going to be testing positive if they're eating that same meat that the men are claiming is tainted. So with now that you, in mind, okay. the WBC, they have this big fight coming up, Mariana Juarez. Jackie Nava, that should be the one where they start testing. They should start testing. They already tested Cecilia Breakers in her last title fight in Russia. So let's do it again with Jackie Nava and Mariano Juarez because they're both Mexicans. Mm. Now, let's touch a couple of subjects here. Uh, well, regarding this, one is my, Mia St. John went on her rant because she she professed herself, she confessed that she's a big Canelo fan, that she doesn't like the remarks that Gennady Golovkin, that Gennady Golovkin has been making about Canelo coming up positive for Clint Buterol through the, uh, through the meet and him saying it was a meet, and she kind of went on a rant saying that if Gennady Golovkin is not, doesn't agree with Canelo coming up positive, then he shouldn't fight him and make the money that he's going to be making for so forth. I don't think that she really helped the cause, Canelo's cause, by admitting that everybody does it. Because one, Canelo, one thing that Canelo wants to do is disassociate himself with actual performing enhancing drugs and, and, and basically saying that what, he, what happened to him was meat contamination in Mexico, which there is history of it in Mexico. It happened to the national soccer team. Eric Morales claimed that he was a victim of, of uh, meat contamination. Francisco El Bandido Vargas was also one mm-hmm. who came out clean afterwards. Uh, Panterita Neri, Luis Pantera Neri, claims that he was also a victim of that. So by her associating Canelo with her relevation of knowingly and actively using PED fights, it doesn't really help Canelo Alvarez and what he's trying to do with his positive test. Oh, true. And her stating that everybody does it and, and, and all that, I don't think it's helping. Now, I had a conversation with the fighter uh, at the last WBC convention. 
with her, a fighter based out of the United States. And I'm not going to mention her name because it was a conversation just between me and her. It wasn't a, I didn't declare it as an interview. I didn't tell her that I was going to say or reveal the, the, the and, and the conversation wasn't about PEDs, but one thing led to another with about PEDs and, and, and boxing. And, and she, she, obviously she, she didn't admit to me that she used PEDs or anything like that. And she actually said that she was against them, but she said that she had seen them before, that she had seen them before and that the ramparts in some of the gyms, she, and, and so, so it's something that, that is, that is seen in boxing. Although you mentioned cyborg and you mentioned other fighters, but I believe the ones that you mentioned are MMA fighters, but I'm trying to think, David, off the top of my head, if there's ever been an actual report of a female boxer come up positive anywhere. Do you know of any? Yes, I do. That came up positive as a female fighter? Yeah. And you, you're going to reveal it? Or, or I mean, was it made public? Uh, I can't remember her actual name. Okay. Um, but she did, uh, she did test positive. Uh, she was based out of Las Vegas. And, uh, but see, that's just the thing. They, they don't always test everybody. I think on that particular case, they tested her because she was on a world title fight uh, card. So they tested everybody and she came out positive. And um, it's, and there's so many, so, well, let me put it this way. I've been around boxing so long. I can tell when somebody looks a little abnormal mm-hmm. in their body tissue or Muscle mass looks a little out of the ordinary because, I mean, all boxers train the same, basically. And when you have these extra muscles and extra uh, tissue fibers showing, in a, you know, it, it, it doesn't look right. And I've seen a lot of female fighters boxing today. I'm not going to name names because that would be, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to get sued for, for defaming somebody without exactly. proof. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of female fighters that do not look like they're uh, steroid oh. or PEDC. Yeah, but you mentioned that I, I and Fuchs, and I mean I'm not gonna name her because obviously I don't want to get uh, uh, sued with David. But she's from South America and she fought Jackie Nava. That's all I'm gonna say. And if you look her up and and do your homework and you see pictures of her before and after. There's no, there's no doubt that she's got to be doing something. Um, but other than that, I do agree. See, my opinion about Mia St. John, um, quite honestly, David, and this is going to sound a little bit harsh because I've had conversations with Mia St. John, and she's actually a very nice woman. But okay. for her to come out and say those declarations, I feel that it's just her just trying to get a little bit of attention. She's been out of the fight game for a little bit. She's used to the attention. She was a very popular fighter. And all of a sudden, she has one of the most prominent writers in boxing calling her up and asking her for her opinion because of that declaration she made. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know Mia. She's very, she's a very sensitive and emotional person. Um, and she's been going through some – she went through tragedy. She lost her I know. son a few years back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. – uh, you know, I you know I hate to talk any ill about her, so I'll just leave it at that. All right. So moving on, uh, the boxing world 
has announced basically, and I say the boxing world because there's two different promoters who are giving us what I would like to call a boxing palooza in the middle of September. I actually saw a little bit of a boxing palooza on the, there's two, everybody knows that in boxing, there's two very important dates, which is May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and they're all related to somewhat to a Mexican holiday, which technically Cinco de Mayo is a Mexican holiday, but it's not really all that observed in Mexico, but that's besides the point. That's more of a history lesson. Um, Cinco de Mayo, where we had a boxing palooza at the hub, at the Stub Hub Center, where we had Ryan Garcia against Jason Vélez on the Friday, and then we had Gennady Golovkin and Vanes Mantero Sorian on the Saturday, and Luckily, we also had two female fights on those two fight cards. We had Senesa Estrada over the Puerto Rican Adorno, where Senesa Estrada scored KO. And we had, in my opinion, one of the best female fights of the year so far, Cecilia Breakhouse surviving against Kelly Reese on the semi-main event on HBO. So now we have a new boxing palooza uh, around the September 16th holidays. A day of Independence in Mexico, holiday in Mexico, where on the 13th, which is the Thursday, Golden Boy presents a fight card in Las Vegas, top rank on the 14th in Fresno on ESPN, and on the Saturday we got HBO pay-per-view with a uh, with a uh, uh, rematch between Gennady Golovkin and Saul Canelo Alvarez. But for the female fight world on September 13th, great great fight, David. I think this is a great fight for the WBC super middleweight title between Maricela, La Diva, Cornejo, and Franchon Cruz um, at, for, at a 10 rounds, obviously. And I believe it's going to be the same main event to that fight between Pablo Cesar Cano and Mariev. Is it Ruslan Mariev? Um, I, I mean, who cares about Pablo Cesar Cano? I mean, yeah, I mean, no offense, but who cares about Pablo Cesar Cano and Maniev when you got a really good fight between Cornejo and Cruz in the same main event? I mean, honestly, honestly, whoever wins between Pablo Cesar Cano and Maniev, what does it matter? Pablo Cesar Cano, what does it matter? And Maniev is, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I don't even, I, I, I've heard, I don't even know who he is, honestly. So who cares? But whoever wins, between Cornejo and Cruz is going to make waves in female boxing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's a pick em fight. I, when they when I was told by um, uh, both parties, by uh, Franchon and by Maricela, that they were fighting each other, I, I couldn't – it was like um, like fireworks went off. I said, oh, sheesh, that's, that's the fight. That's going to be a that's great fight. That's the fight. I think that's a – I mean yeah. – I think it's a great. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what what. I don't even have words to describe it because there's so many things with the fight. I mean, you have Maricela Cordejo who came into boxing, not really not, came into boxing to lose a little bit of weight while she was in Los Angeles. They told her she hit hard with the right hand at the gym, and she said, "Hey, I'm gonna go with this," and she went with it. Now she's fighting for a world title. She's one of the most popular female fighters out there. And then we have Franchon Cruz, who has a, a long amateur career, a storied amateur career, who in her first, who is not afraid to challenges, in her pro debut went against quite possibly one of the top five female fighters in the world. And, 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 and without a doubt, 
the best Olympic female fighter in history, Clarissa Shields, although the history is very, very short. It started in 2012. But, but shit, I mean, pardon my French, but you might even say Clarissa Shields on paper might be one of the best U.S. Olympians boxers of all time, right? There's no other U.S. Olympian that's won two gold medals, but Clarissa Shields. So you could yeah, arguably absolutely. say that she could be one of the best U.S. Olympian boxers of all time. And we're talking about Mayweather, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Oscar de la Hoya. We're talking about everybody. And she did it. Andre Ward, uh, Deontay Wilder. So she did it. Um, so Franchon Cruz goes and, and, and challenges in the pro debut for both women. She gives a good showing. And now she's 3-1 and one, or 4-1, and one, something like that, fighting uh, Cornejo, who as a professional has three or four, or about three times more experience as a professional. But, but when you put them inside the ring, the skill level might be almost the same, if not actually giving the edge as far as quality and, 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 and know-how to, to Cruz. Yeah, it's a, it's there's so many variables, and I mean when you when you put it all, all together, it's like an even fight. I don't know who's gonna win, and those are the best kind. You just don't know who's yeah. gonna win. Cornejo has power. He has incredible yeah. power. He's very strong. Cruz is very fast and has good uh, skills, very good skills and, and experience. Gun to your head, David. Who's it gonna be? I don't know. I really don't. That's a, that's wow. a freaking fight. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a limb here, and I, and we got a show right. We got a show before the the. I hopefully I don't change my opinion, but I think. <laughs> see the thing. The thing about Cornejo. The thing about Cornejo is that I think she's a good fighter. She she's learned a lot. She's always learning. She works very hard. If you follow her on social media, she's with a good corner in Joel Diaz, but as. You don't know what you're going to get with Cornejo when she steps into that ring. You might get the best career, or you might get, I'm not going to say the worst, but a lackadaisical performance, which we've seen in Cancun. Okay? We've seen but that. Later on, we find out that that girl was very good that she put in Cancun. <laughs> yeah. But so, so now the question here is, is Maricela Cornejo work even harder and knowing that she has, she's faced good fighters. She faced Callie Reese. She faced uh, that, that uh, Hernandez, the one that only had a little bit, of, um, but was very good. But she's going to be fading, facing the, her, the best fighter she's ever faced in her career in French on Cruz. All that you could do in the amateur except winning a gold medal. But she's won, you know, tournaments and everything on there. So. Oh. The best fighter that she's ever faced, uh, uh, even above Callie Reese, who she faced in 2016. So, is Cornejo gonna step up to that plate and and be able to to up? And I think as far as the power, Cornejo's the one with the power. She's a big woman with no, I mean, in all in the boxing sense, where she's tall and powerful for the division. Um, so three straight knockouts too. Yeah, and it's not easy even if you're fighting, you know, quite possibly fighters that are not to your to to your um 
at your level, but it's still it's still hard to knock them out. And her, actually, the last fighter that she faced was undefeated and a big pretty. She, actually, I think she was taller. Samantha Pill was actually taller than Maricela Cornejo. So on September yep. 13th on ESPN, we're going to have, on paper, quite possibly one of the best fights in the female fight world for 2018, and I can't wait. Absolutely. You be there? Uh, it's, no, I don't think I'm going to go to Vegas. Vegas gets too crazy for me on uh, 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 on 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 that weekend. But uh, oh, okay, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be there, right? Absolutely. You know, tickets start at ten dollars. Wow, for that fight card. Yep, ten dollars for that be, fight card. Where is it gonna be held at? At the Hard Rock. Oh, at the Hard Rock. Okay. Now moving on to more news and notes. On September eighth, Amanda Serrano has announced that. She's going to be leaving MMA for a little bit and coming back to her first love, boxing. And she's going to be facing Jamila Esther Reynoso, an Argentinian, for the vacant WBO super lightweight title. If Armanda wins the fight, it will be her sixth world title in as many divisions, quite possibly setting an unbreakable world record. I mean, no female fighter has even gotten close to that. I mean, Maricela, I mean, Mariana Juarez has done it in three divisions. Um, Mayoko did. Mayoko has who? five. Mayoko Fuyoka. Fuyoka has five in five. five divisions. Five in different divisions? Yeah. Okay. So Amanda Serrano is going to be breaking the record and winning her six. I don't know, David. Not the first time that she fights for a vacant WBO title. She's not beating the linear. She's not beating the champion. I mean, it is something impressive that she's fighting in the sixth division. No offense, but come on. 11-4 and four with three draws, uh, eight knockouts, Yamila Esterreynoso. I mean, well, I don't want to say it, but I'm not impressed. Sense. I'm not impressed. Well, you know, she's never fought at 140. 135 is actually big for her too. She's fighting at 140, but there's even more to that. If she wins this fight, there's a strong possibility that she could, or, or there's a strong chance, could be facing Cecilia Breakets. That's the rumor. At 147. At 147. That, 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 then that's something impressive. Now, one thing about this opponent that she's facing is that she is a natural 140-pounder. In her last fight, she won by a fifth-round TKO at 145 pounds, which is actually the welterweight division. And for most of her career, she's been fighting well over 140 pounds. She's been fighting at 150, 146, 142. One thing that is, a natural 140 pounder, but the opponent, quite honestly, 11 and four with three with three draws and eight knockouts. You know, she never fought anybody. She's never That's beaten anybody. That's a big girl. That's what they said yeah. about Kelly Reese, and look what happened. Yeah, but Kelly Reese has a, a much more impressive uh, uh, record than this fighter. I mean, this fighter, she's faced and she's fought for world title. She fought, she lost against Erika Anabela Farias, the Argentinian. She lost against uh, the Uruguayan Chris Namus. Uh, that's it. Yeah, she's Those are the two fighters. 
Anybody that gets I mean, hit like that girl is a dangerous fighter. I'm not impressed, David. I can't. I can't. I I, I can't lie. I'm but if this fight yeah. leads, if this fight leads to a, then you know, I, I would. I, then I have no complaints. And if this is what she needs to do, to to get the profile to beat to fight breakouts, I got no complaints. But for me to say, wow, I'm really impressed with with her winning the sixth title at 140 pounds for a vacant title against fight. Well, I mean. People overlook the fact that weight difference is a big, it's a big thing. It's a big obstacle. I remember when Henry Armstrong, well, I wasn't alive then, but when Hen- Henry Armstrong won all those titles and he held them, the, and that's when they didn't have junior divisions or super divisions. When Henry Armstrong won the lightweight and welterweight and uh, what was it, featherweight divisions, everybody, you know, it was a big thing. And then he jumped in and fought against uh, Seferino Garcia for the middleweight. And everybody says, well, Seferino's no good, but he was a real middleweight. And what happened? Armstrong didn't beat him. Uh, fighting a bigger person is, it's a, it's a big obstacle. Because you can't hurt him. But we're not you talking about, I, I agree with you, but we're not talking about just any run of smaller fighter. We're talking about arguably the number two or number three, depending on whose list you're looking at, the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. So if the, if the number two or the number three best pound-for-fighter in the world is going to give up, going to give some disadvantage and even the playing field, is it really even in is you're giving up, you know, 10, 15 pounds against an 11 and four and three fighter who's never fought anybody? No, she's, you just said she fought Erica Farias, who's a great fighter, and but she, she still lost. fought her. And she didn't, but she, and she did not she get knocked she out. Did not win, she, not, she did not win one round in the whole. She did, any of the judges, she did not the judges. get knocked out though. And she when did she not fought, get knocked out. And when she so 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 would I be impressed if 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 Amanda Serrano knocks her out? Yeah, maybe. Because Amanda Serrano is giving up 10, 15 pounds and knocking out a fighter that a nor- normal 140 or a hun- and a 150-pound fighter in Chris Namus was not in. Then that might impress me. But but if, if Serrano goes in there and just completely dominates her and wins every second of every fight card, I'm not going to be impressed because Amanda Serrano is that good. And Amanda Serrano could probably go up to 160 and be an 11 and four and three middleweight by Albano. No, I don't think so. I don't think well, so. That's, I mean, the, fighting in a different division is a whole different can of worms. It, it's just because a fighter is very good. That's like saying Lomachenko could go up there and fight Andre Ward. No, it ain't gonna happen. They're not nah, gonna beat I mean, Andre Ward. I don't care how good they are. Yeah, not. But but <laughs> but how tall is this, this woman? Is it doesn't have her uh, her her uh, her uh, height. So we'll see what happens on September 8th. This fight's going to be at the Brooklyn at New York in, at the Barclays Center. It's going to be on the undercard yeah. on September 8th of uh, uh, Andre. Is it uh, Danny Garcia against Sean Porter? Danny yeah, Garcia, uh, Sean Porter. The, yeah. Yeah, for the vacant WBC World Welter. I, I do not believe it's, it's going to be. be it's going to be I don't streamed think it's gonna, on Showtime. It's going to be streamed on uh, Showtime. It has been very good at streaming their undercards on YouTube and on Facebook, which makes it very, very easy oh, yeah. to watch. So 
exactly. I think it's even yeah, I think it's even more easy to watch on Showtime. It's even more it's easier to watch on YouTube than on Showtime. They did with Amanda Serrano against Jasmine Rivas. But uh, but there you go. On September eighth, you'll be able to watch history as Amanda Serrano undoubtedly wins her sixth division, her sixth title in sixth division, and then maybe and hopefully and fingers crossed, it leads to a fight against Cecilia Breakhouse at welterweight. And if she does that, if she does that, David, I myself would stand on on. I would do an hour and a half show of the second <laughs> round. I we, would do a, we are going to do two, an hour and a half. <laughs> what's that? We are going to do an hour and a half if, if she does that. <laughs> no, I would do an hour and a half of, of the two-minute round, me repeating over and over for an hour and a half that Amanda Serrano is the greatest female fighter of all time if she goes up to 147 and beats Cecilia Breakout, which I, I truly believe she can do it. I truly believe that she can do it. If she, if she goes up there, I think she's good enough to be able to beat Cecilia Breakout but she has to do it first and first she has to go through um, uh, I already forgot her name because that's how unimpressive she is Jamila Esther Reynoso okay so on the same night on September 8th from the other the left coast or the west coast where David I'm sure is going to be in the house at the forum for Superfly 3 we're going to have Australian Lulu Hatton fighting Tijuana's for the uh, vacant WBC 105-pound title. And we were discussing this before the, the show that as of right now in the, um, in the uh, rankings for the WBC that were released in June, those are the last, last rankings that WBC has released. Hutton is not ranked at 105 pounds, and and neither is Brenda Flores ranked at 105. So in fact, Lulu Hutton is not ranked at 108 or 112, or I believe at any class at the WBC. And Brenda Flores, I think she might be at 105. So we were, we tried, but unfortunately we couldn't have her on the show because she was busy. We tried to have Amaris Quintana on the show who, in my eyes, and I'm going to ask David this, deserves a chance for this vacant 105-pound title more than any of these two fighters, more than Brenda Flores and than, uh, than Lulu Hatton, David. Absolutely. I, I think Amaris has paid her dues. She's had uh, three straight knockout wins. Um, she's come back full force. I mean, she was out for two years with an injury and uh, surgery, uh, some serious uh, problems she had. And then she just came back and it's like she's superwoman now. And uh, she's been fighting primarily in, in Tijuana, but against uh, decent opponents, an undefeated fighter at her last uh, venture, and she knocked her out. Uh, the time before that, she won by knockout. And the time before that, I think it was knockout too. And um, she's been... I think she deserves it. She should get that shot. Yeah, she's won by knockout ever since she had a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a of a medical scare there, and you could listen to it on our in our archives with a face to face with Amaris Quintana not too long ago. And yeah, David, I agree with you. She has she on her record, she has better opponents, and 
She's actually in her last fight. She won the international WBC minimum minimum weight title. But here is where um, promoters have a lot to do with it. Obviously, Superfly is being promoted by 360 Promotions by Tom Loeffler. Uh, Houghton is with Tom Loeffler. That's his promoter. Brenda Flores is yeah. with a local promoter here in Tijuana who has strong ties and close ties to Abel Sanchez, obviously Abel Sanchez, the trainer of Gennady Golovkin, and who is the promoter or at least advisor or representative of, of um, Gennady Golovkin, none other than Tom Loeffler, whereas Amaris Quintana doesn't have that kind of weight, quote-unquote, in the boxing world, and that's why despite having the better record and the better opposition and actually ranked in the top 15 in the division, actually top 10 in the division, and having just won the international title, it's looked over the uh, an opportunity for the vacant title, and so sorry to say, but that's sometimes what happens in the world of boxing. She's actually ranked number eight at 105 pounds, so hopefully... She gets a chance at the winner, and I'm going to go and give my prediction for that fight, that Hudson wins that fight against Brenda Flores via unanimous decision on Saturday, September 14th. Say again? They're going to mail that in. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, the judges uh, will turn it, will, are going to turn in their fight cards, I mean their, their, their uh, tallies, and they're going to go have a beer at the bar while the fight's going on. Um, and now on September 14th, it was just it was just announced that Naoko Fujioka, the other five-time divisional world champion, uh, quite no, not without a doubt the best female fighter out of Japan. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go one extra step, David, and it's, she's the best female fighter out of Asia, so the of the whole continent. She's the best fighter to come out of the whole continent. Um, Naoko Fujioka will be, is she going to be defending or is she's going to be fighting for WBO title? I believe she's going to be, she's going to, she's going to be defending the WBA Naoko Fuyoka title, the WBA 112-pound title, which she's a champion of since March 13, 2017, against the interim champion, Irma Laguerita Sanchez out of Mexico. Irma Sanchez, former world champion, had a baby, came back, won the and this is what we like to see, David. This is what we like to see. We have a full-fledged champion in Fujioka. You get an interim champion for whatever reason. And then quite soon, they fight each other to only have one champion. Naoko Fujioka won the title on March 13, 2017. Irma Sanchez won it on October 14, 2000, the interim title. And now they're going to be fighting each other in September to crown only one champion in the division for the WBA, something that we don't really see too often in the WBC, and we don't see it too often. The IBF doesn't have an interim, interim titles. WO doesn't even rank fighters. So that is a, a breath of fresh air where we actually have, um, you know, a, a interim champion fighting the full-fledged champion. Because if we go back to that fight on September 13th between Cornejo and Francian Cruz, even though I love it, and I think it's great. Why is it an interim title? Why can't Clarissa Shields fight either one of them? You know, obviously no, Clarissa it's Shields actually can't. not an interim title. The fact they're fighting for the actual title. So Clarissa Shields has definitely. She vacated. 
Okay, because I haven't seen that announcement. They haven't made it official. Yeah, that announcement came out today. Came out today. So Clarissa Shields has back. Okay, so Clarissa Shields has vacated her WBC Super Middleweight title so that she could go. Well, she so that she could challenge for the WBC uh, Middleweight title. And as we all know, Clarissa Shields is already the WBA and IBF Middleweight champions. So, eh, I mean. Technically, she could hold the WBC middleweight, super middleweight title while holding the uh, the W. But because she wants to challenge for the WBC 160, she does have to vacate because the only man that could hold two titles in two different divisions is Money Mayweather. Nobody else has had a chance to do that. Actually, didn't uh, I think Sergio Martinez <laughs> held it for a little bit? Uh, Sergio Martinez held two titles for a slight for a slight moment there, and then they made him vacate one of them, which he did. Um, Anything else, David, before we move on to the upcoming calendar? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered it all. But um, I know that uh, Naoko Fujioka is probably going to be coming to California this weekend. She's going to so start her training camp? We might have her as a guest. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, well, she's not going to be. She's. I mean, the fight. her fight September 8th. So, wow, she's going to come over here and then fly back to Japan? Uh, Yeah. She's gonna. I think she's gonna be training. I may be mistaken, but I think she's gonna be training with Ben Lita. That's only two weeks away from her. Up. Two weeks. Wait, wait, one. Wait, wait, hold on. One. That's only two weeks. If she comes in this coming weekend, that's gonna be only two weeks before her fight in Japan, because her fight's on September eighth, which is two two weeks no, away from this Saturday. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Her fight's the fourteenth. Yeah, so it's three weeks away. Okay, okay, that's that's good enough. She stays a week, week and a half. Uh, sparring here or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's good then. And and one thing that we were expecting is that she would hopefully rematch against Yocasta Valle. The, but they're both going in different directions. Yocasta Valle actually went, and we reported this in our last show, she went to Germany and challenged for the WBC 105-pound uh, title. And it, hold on. Uh, she No, she, she which title was that? It was against Tina... Tina, 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 was, uh, yeah, it was 105 pounds, so how can, I don't know, I don't know, it might be, it might be, can, 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 see, right now the WBC 105 pound champion is Tina Rupert, and I saw the report where it said that Lulu Hatton was going to challenge Brenda Flores, where they're going to fight for the vacant, can it be that they're actually going down to 102 for that? title because that one's the one that's vacant the Adam weight female uh, oh, world see. title is vacant for the WBC and I believe that hmm. I know Brenda Flores can make that weight because I've seen her weigh in as little as 104 and a half pounds so two and a half pounds is not too I don't think it would be too difficult for her although I also seen her fight as heavy as 115 but I think that might be the title that they're fighting for Rupert, who beat Yocasta Valle for the WBC 105-pound champion on June 16th. So we'll keep you posted on our next show, September 6th, which I believe is going to be a 102-pound WBC title with the one that Hutton and Brenda Flores are going to be fighting for on September 8th from the forum. And um, so let's go to the upcoming calendar. We're on Thursday, August the 23rd from Panama City, Valle is going to be facing Haiti Zappa in an eight-rounder at 108 pounds, and obviously this is her bounce-back um, 
fight because she's lost two in a row. She lost to Nyoko Fuyuoka, and she lost to uh, Tina Rupre in her last two fights, both of them for she is facing Heidi Zappa back in coast in Panama uh, to get back hopefully on the winning uh, column on Saturday, August 25th from Denmark. Dina Torsland will be facing Jessica Aleguin Munoz in a 10 rounder for the WBC 122 pound fighter. I suspect that is the the interim title because Fatuma Sarika, 122 pound champion, unless they they, they strip her for not defending, but we're going to find out soon enough. And finally, on Friday, the August the 21st, uh, Montserrat Alacón, former WBO champion, will be facing Mayela Perez in a 10-rounder for the 105 interim WBO normal champion there is Anabel Ortiz. So if the winner challenge Anabel Ortiz for that uh, for that full-fledged title, then we'll see what happens there. Montserrat Alarcón was actually beaten in her last fight in February by Areli for the WBA t- title, and that was a historic event because Araceli Monsignor, by capturing the WBO world title, is the first Mexican fighter to have captured all the weight, all the, all the belts, all the major belts in the same division. She's been the WBA, the IPF, the WBC, and now the WBO champion at different times of her career at 112 pounds. And she did that by defeating Montserrat Alarcón. Montserrat Alarcón is really a natural 105-pound fighter. But in, in last year, she went to Japan and knocked out the local fighter to win that WBO title. And she, in her first defense, lost it. And now she's back to 105, fading facing a very tough Mayela Perez in a scheduled 10 rounder for the interim WBA title, David. So there you have it. The upcoming calendar. Uh, I don't think it's going to be on TV, David. It might be, I think it might be on, on Azteca channel. So if I find it, I'll send you the link and we could talk about it on our next show, September 6th. So David, with that said, nothing much to add. Why don't you uh, give us your, your good night. Well, good night to everybody, and thanks for uh, tuning in. Thank you for tuning in, uh, folks. And our next show will be on September 6th, and we expect you then here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. And with that, we bid you good night.